Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another week of Don't Box Me In. I hope everyone is having a wonderful week and living life not boxed in. I am your host, Lana Reed, and today's show, I will be talking with a very strong woman about an often life-changing medical matter, breast cancer. So uh, before we get started on today's show, let's get a little clarity on what breast cancer is. Breast cancer occurs when cells in the breast divide and grow without their normal control, causing tumors to grow. Uh, there are benign tumors, which are not cancerous, and then there are malignant tumors, which are cancerous. In the United States, about one in eight women will develop breast cancer in their lifetime. In 2013, there were more than 2.8 million women, once again, 2.8 million women with a history of breast cancer in the United States. This includes women currently being treated and women who have finished treatment. Michelle Blinn is one of the women who fits in this group, and she is here today to share her story of breast cancer with us, and I am so glad to have her on the show today. Michelle, welcome to Don't Box Me In. Thanks, Lana. Thanks for having me as your guest. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, doing excellent. Yeah, thanks, Zach. And what about yourself? I am well, well, thank you. I've been looking forward to our interview today. You are over there in uh, Maryland, right? I'm in Maryland, that's correct, yes. Good, good, good. Back in my college day, I used to romp around there with some uh, friends of mine from college. So good memories of Maryland. Um, so let me start off at the beginning, uh, Michelle. Let's start with your journey before breast cancer. Did okay. you know much about uh, breast cancer before you were diagnosed? No, I did not. Not too much of it. Um, we, you would hear that people have breast cancer, and um, but I never it never affected me. We didn't have any family history of breast cancer, so... No, I didn't, you know, know much about it. Okay, yeah, and that was like my next question. So nobody in the family, no, like, grandmother, second cousin nope. removed, no breast cancer in the family at all? No, but after I was diagnosed in 2004, July of 2004, then a couple of years later, then my, my younger cousin, she lives in Birmingham, Alabama, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Wow. But prior to that, no one else in our family. We had both of my grandmothers my, on my dad's side, my mom's side, died of cancer, one of, um, in the pancreas, the liver cancer, but no one had breast cancer. Okay. So okay. this is all new, yeah. Good. Okay. All right. Interesting. And I think that's like a common myth that people might have that, you know, well, I only have to really worry about it if my mother has it or my grandmother has it, but you're a, you know, prime example of no, you, you, those are not always the case there. Exactly. Yep. So it was a total surprise to me when I was diagnosed with with, um, with the breast cancer in July of 2004, and um, how it was diagnosed was through my mammograms. And mm-hmm. so every year prior to um, me being diagnosed, um, I, I the year I turned 40, I went every year uh, for my mammograms. And then this one particular year, um, the doctor was like, "Wow, these mammograms are a lot different. I see something different." Than the prior year, and so they brought me back for more testing, um, and then um, in, and it was the left breast. So mm-hmm. they, um, <clears throat> I, um, it, it's a, I had a lot of microcalcification in my left breast. So um, what they, the doctors tried to do it was try to do it um, surgically in the office, and so some women can have microcalcification and nothing happens, but mine. Can turn into uh, microcalcification and turn into cancer, and then I had in um, the left milk duct was a small cyst, and that's what, it, what that's where the cancer was. Oh, now, you've mentioned this term a couple of times, and I don't know if you can, but can you explain to us what calcification is? Yeah, it's uh, it, it looks like small little um, and, um. Um, spaghettis and it's um and they they get attached onto the different parts of your tissues. Mm-hmm. And so, so so some women, I, like I said, and the doctor was explaining to me, some women have it for years, and you know, and nothing um, happens. But 
that the microcalcifications, you know, can turn into cancer. And mm-hmm. so, um, so mine actually was um, cancerous. And so, and then, but the the, the cyst was um, was in my milk in the left breast milk duct. And so, mm-hmm. and so it was it was non-invasive. And had I not done anything or just ignored it, then it would have become invasive, and it would have been worse for me. Oh so, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you said you were you were going, you know, faithfully every year for your mammograms, but so something happened just in a year's time where it was mm-hmm. noticeable. Right. Within a year, um, the doctors noticed a difference in my breast, my left breast, um, and then from the from the screening, and um, but like from time to time, I would get this pulling in my left breast. I was like, ouch, and that you know, like ow, and and but it it would it would pass, and so it was like almost like a little. And um, someone sticking you on the left side, and then, and then it was just a, it was the side, and it went on for a little while, and then, but then when I went in, um, so that you know the doctors determined you know what it was um, that I was having you know issues with my with my left breast. So um, my at the time, my sister worked in a mam. She was at a hospital in Richmond, and mm-hmm. so she um, worked in the mammogram department. So I had told my sister, I said, well. They, the doctors want to bring me in to do a stereotactic. So the stereotactic is where you lay across the table. There's an opening in the, the table and the breast goes to the table. And then the doctor sits on the side and, and then they target the infected area. Well, they, you know, anesthetize the area and, and what mm-hmm. And then, so the doctor sits there and they try to, um, to remove, um, you know, the calcification. But I had, mine was so, um, I mean, it was just all over the breast. So I had to go in and actually have it surgically removed. So I went in um, to the, um, the medical center, and um, I, was, I was living in Northern Virginia at the time, and so um, and I kept kind of putting it off Atlanta. I, I was like, it'll go away. It, it'll mm-hmm. go away. And I'm thinking like it's like a cold, but no, it was not going to go away. And mm. so the doctor, <laughs> I had this one doctor would call me and, and, and she would call me, call me and say, Michelle, I want you in my office. And I'm, I kept blowing her off, blowing her off. <laughs> and, then, and then she sent me a certified letter and told me if I wasn't in her office that week, she was going to disown me as a, as a, as a patient. Uh-huh. And, and, and she was not going to be my doctor any longer. And it was uh-huh. I, had to, I had to literally sign for the letter. And then she sent the letter to my primary physician and she called me too. She said, get into her office. So I, I did, I did go, and then, and then um, she said, I don't want to scare you, and because at first it, it it was not determined that it was cancer. She was more focusing on the microcalcification, so that mm-hmm. so she, you know, she could remove that. And so I went in, and I had she um, surgically went into my into the breast, and then so she removed like large pieces of the tissue. Um, and around, you know, with the microcalcification, she did, I had to go twice, and it was still there. So after mm. talking to my parents, I said, my mom was like, you know, we, you need to go to a hospital that specializes in this type of, you know, the right treatment. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going to Washington Hospital Center, and um, Dr. Borbia, I know everyone says they had the best doctors, they had the best doctors, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I love my doctors, and mm-hmm. and then, so he is, and I still, you know, contact them, and I, like, uh, you know, I, I reach out to them, I actually told, reached out to them today to tell him I was going to be on the talk show, and I was going to mention his name, <laughs> I was going to mention his name, but under his fellowship was another doctor, Dr. Dawn Linnett, and um, so, um, so when I went to the Washington Hospital Center, this is back in July of 2004, mm-hmm. um, he, um, he did a, another mammogram on me. He said, let me see what's going on with the breast, with this breast. So when it came back with the results, so he says to me, he said, Michelle, he said, it is breast cancer. And so mm-hmm. then after that, I didn't hear anything else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was, I mean, so I'm in his, I'm in the examining room, Dr. And so it's like after that, it was like blah, 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 and whatever he yeah. was saying, I didn't hear anything else. And I was by myself at the time, so I didn't have anybody with me, so I held it together. So he said to me, so Michelle, do you understand what I, I just said? And I said, yeah, I shook my head, and uh, all I heard was that it, it was cancer. So I held it together, 
And then he said, I want to immediately bring you in for surgery because I want to go inside and see what's going on with the breast. Mm-hmm. So I get, um, I leave the hospital and I get to the garage, I get in my car, and that's when I break down. And I call my dad. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so my father was like, you know, I, you know, I come from a very strong family and we are, you know, have a very religious background. And so, and, and when one thing affects one family member, it affects us all. Yes. So my dad says to me, he says, and they, my family calls me Shell. He says, Shell, he said, we're going to go through this as a family. And he said, we're going to hope for the, the best, but we'll, be, we'll prepare for the worst. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, Dr. Bozier set me up to have surgery, like, within the a couple days thereafter. So my dad and my sister came up, and um, and so they were there at the hospital. And then, so they took me in, and Dr. Borbia came out to talk to my dad and my sister, and, you know, just um, to let him know that, you know, he was taking me in for surgery, and he was going to see what's going on with the breast. So my father immediately said, well, if you have to remove it, go ahead. And he was like, hang on a second, you know. Mm-hmm. He said, let's see what, let me see what's going on, because he was saying he wouldn't have done, the, like, the, um, a mastectomy that day unless it was it was needed. Um, okay, okay. It, because I have, he has to prepare. I have to be prepared for that mentally okay. too. Okay. You know? Yes. Yeah. And so, um, so he went in, and um, so he went in and, and saw what was going on, and um, and he was able to go in there and remove the cysts, and you know, take out large pieces of tissue too. But went in and removed the cysts, and um, and so, um, but the hardest part of that surgery was waiting for the pathologist report. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, did they get it all? Do I have to do yeah. it? And so that was the hardest part. So, you know, every day I'm on the phone, you know, talking to my dad and, and we're having and I'm trying to get my mind psyched for the worst, but, you know, hoping the best. And um, so finally, the, you know, the doctor, he calls me back in to the, um, the hospital and he says, I'm sure I have some good news and some bad news. But Landon, the part was I'm sitting it now I'm with my girlfriend. So sitting in the in the examining room and I'm waiting and I can hear him in the um out in the hall. And he was like, Did that report come up yet? Did that report and I was like mm. I'm like, if he comes by this door one more time, I'm gonna throw <laughs> him in here. <laughs> hey, emotional torture. Like, yeah. <laughs> I am. I'm emotionally passionate. I said, I'm going to pull him in here because I could hear him in the in the hallway. Yeah. So finally he comes in and he says, Michelle, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. He said, the good news is, is that I, I went into the breast and um, he said I, I was able to get the the, the, um, the, the, the tumor out. And then um, the, and he said, but um, the bad news is, is I, I looked at, um, the pathologist report, and there's a little residue, and I want to go back in just to clean that out. And I'm like, wow. gladly, you know? <laughs> uh, uh, get it all out, yeah. That, exactly. And so that was um, um, back in 2000, July 2004. Mm-hmm. And then then um, after he gave me a clear margin and said, okay, she, you know, she's good to go, he explained to me, um, the treatment um, that I would go through. I didn't have to do chemotherapy, but I did have to do radiation, six and a half weeks of radiation. And then I was on the drug uh, tamoxifen for five years, which is a okay. form of chemotherapy. And so every day I, I would, in the morning, I would drive over to a hospital close to my job and then um, go up to the, um, the um, radiology department and I would have my... Um, my um, the uh, uh, radiation done the radiology department yeah so that was that was that treatment and um, and it, it just it took a lot out of you out of me Lana because you know I'm I'm a very vivacious person very happy very going a good you know happy mm-hmm. lucky person. And, you know, I had a great job. I was traveling for my job. And it was just like, you know, and then all of a sudden, in an instant, your life can change. So it's like no one is immune from breast cancer. It can happen yeah. to anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was reading. I was like, yeah, it's uh, it could affect not only women, but men, too. And we're going to talk some more about 
um, the effects that it had on your life and your emotions. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break, Michelle. So just hang in there with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, 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 and welcome back. Today I am with Michelle uh, Bland, breast cancer survivor, um, and she's sharing her story with us. She was diagnosed with breast cancer in July of 2004. And, uh, Michelle, I just wanted to backtrack um, a little bit so I can get some clarity because I want to know, you said there was like um, – a little bit of time in between when you went to the doctor and you had the calcification and then um, you had to go in for testing for the breast cancer. I'm thinking like emotionally that that day by day I got to sit and wait and and right. and go through this. That in itself has to be some sort of emotional turmoil. I mean, what are you what are you thinking this day by day thing? What's going through your mind? I was just thinking, like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? What's the worst thing that they're going to tell me? And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious by nature. So if someone mm-hmm. tells me they have to tell me something, <laughs> I can't wait. You got to tell mm-hmm. me now. <laughs> so it, it really worked on my patience. Mm-hmm. And um, but at, but at the same time, I wanted the doctors to make sure that they, you know, they went through, um, you know, getting the, the correct reading and and whatever and getting ready to. Um, prescribe the best treatment for me, so I couldn't rush the, you know, the, the answer. But it just, it was it was emotional taxing on, you know, on me. And you know, and I I was I'm single, and so the only person I really could rely on was my family and my friends. Yeah. Um, and then you know, and I caught my dad every day, and every day, and my my father just would give me really good encouragement. And, you know, we would read scriptures together, and mm-hmm. he says, you know, he, he says, you know, we're just, we're going to go through this as a family. So I had the support, and I, you know, I had the support of my friends and my congregation, and um, and then my good girlfriend, she's a nurse, so she went with me to the doctor um, for my exam, and so she was able to break things down in layman terms, you know, from okay. the medical side, which was really good. So she said, I'm going with you, you know, so I could, I can uh, explain everything to you. Which, but they had really, they, the hospital was fabulous because they had patient navigators, you know, navigators. So everything was, was laid out. So they tried to make the process as less stressful for you as they could. But, but emotionally, this, this takes a toll on your, on Mm -hmm. your body because you have no idea, you know, what you're being faced with. And, you know, and so when I'm, it, when I was going down the hall for the operating room um, for my first surgery, I was, you know, I just kept praying, and then it was like, okay, I'm at peace, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm at peace of whatever's going to happen. Uh, and I had to condition my mind that, you know, you got it, you you got to be at peace, and you know, you pray that the doctors have a good night's sleep, and that they're able to <laughs> the surgery. You know, uh, and my surgery was like first thing in the morning. He was, I was like his first patient, mm-hmm. um, and that they have a good night. You know, and they're skilled doctors and, and what have you. And um, the rest was the waiting game, which is mm-hmm. really, really difficult. And um, so, you know, you so in, in retrospect, you try to go about your day normally, and mm-hmm. it, it, the the thought comes to the forefront. Comes to the forefront. Yeah. And so, you know, and so finally when I got the, you know, the call from the doctor, and that was, it took about a week and a half for them wow. to get back to me, yes. And so my hands are clammy, my hands are yeah. things in that line. Yeah, and so finally when he came in, he said, I, when he said he got some good news, I was like, great. And mm-hmm. then he said, the bad, the bad news is I, I need, I want to go back in. And I'm like, I can handle that. Mm-hmm. So. So that you know that was that, but it was it, it is it takes it takes a toll on you, and uh, and your family you know they want to they want to you know comfort you and, and care for you, but nobody could take that kind of pain away from you. you yeah, know? nobody understands what I'm going nobody, through personally. Yeah, no, nobody. And even after I um, went through the treatment, and you know you're thinking, okay, I could go back to the way my life was. Um, it it, it doesn't happen like that 
And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh, I'm a strong person. I have a lot of, you know, allies. I have a lot of friends. And, you know, I've got a, you know, good life and, and what have you. Well, one day, Atlanta, it just took a turn. It just took a toll on me. Mm-hmm. And I needed, to, I needed to talk to somebody emotionally about what I was feeling and somebody who had gone through what I went through. And, and, and so one of my good friends of our family, she's a breast cancer survivor, her mom and her sister, and she would tell my mom and my sister, she said, if Michelle ever, ever needs to talk to anyone, tell her to call me, tell her to call. So a while went by, and I was like, oh, I'm fine. I don't really need to call anybody. But it was one, at one point, I really felt I needed to talk to somebody who had gone through it because they could understand my emotions. I could mm-hmm. express them. And, and so my sister was like, well, what? what? You know, tell me what you're feeling. How can we help you? <laughs> and, and, and I was like, you don't understand. You just don't Yeah. You know, and, and really you, you don't. And so that's that, you know, saying until you walk in someone's shoes and experience what someone has experienced, you don't know. True. And, um, mm-hmm. and so I called my friend up and I said, June, I said, I really need to talk to you. And she said, ah, uh, uh, she said, I'll come over. So she came over that Saturday, and we sat in my house, and her and I just had a, a one-on-one talk. And she said, you know, you probably got all these emotions going through it. And she, every emotion, and, and she was just nailing. And I was like, and I got to open my mouth like, hey, and she said, and you're feeling this way. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes. And, I was like, yes. and so she said, Michelle went through the same thing. But she was married, and she said, her husband was like, tell me what, how I can help you. I'll yeah. clean. And she said, it's not that. And so, but, you know, but you do. You need to really be able to, um, you know, express and understand and look at another person to say, wow, they went through what I'm going through, and mm-hmm. they're, they're doing well, and they're, they're, they're moving on. And so now, and so how I got involved with Susan G. Coleman was um, she? my friend had mentioned to me, she said, you know what helped me too? She said, you know, get involved in an organization that, you know, uh, that will touch lives like your own and, um, and so how you can help other people. And these are, you know, and she introduced me to Susan G. Coleman. So, you know, when you're feeling better and, and, and what have you, she said, reach out to them. And so I was like, okay. And I'll kind of put it on hold for a little bit, a little bit. But when you're going through those those emotions and things on on, on that line, it's like you have a, a range of different emotions, and mm-hmm. you have to learn to be able to put your trust in someone. So I, you know, I put in my friends, my family, and you know, and certainly my God, you know, Jehovah. But it, it you know, it, at that instant, you still needed <laughs> something to hold on to. And then, so I reached out to other survivors. Mm-hmm. And so, and when I did that, and I started feeling better, and I would, I reached out to Susan G. Coleman, and I would go to the hospital and meet with other um, breast cancer survivors. So they would give me a list of breast cancer survivors that was just diagnosed. And so mm-hmm. I would go to the hospital, go to their rooms, bring them newspapers and magazines, okay. and sit and talk with them. And I'm like, I know what you're going through. And we would just share stories. And sometimes we just sit there with each other. And then um, I would go to the um, beauty salon and work with breast cancer survivors that have, you know, lost their hair. And so mm-hmm. we, would pick out, we would pick out wigs together. And then, you know, and um, then the, the beautician would style their wigs for them. But I, what, I, what was amazed, amazing to me is, you know, how many husbands were there to support their wives, too, good, you know, and good. which was really great. So um, that was, you know, some of the um, the things that I've, I've done. And when I moved here to Maryland um, for my job, and I was like, okay, once I get settled and in place, I'm going to reach out um, to Coleman. So I reached out to Coleman, Maryland, and so they, you know, immediately was able to utilize, utilize me. So they taught me, um, you know, I, um, they gave me a, a slide presentation. They put you through some training. And mm-hmm. then I, I would go to different organizations within Maryland, and they, um, Coleman had arranged for pink bag lunches. And so I would go to different organizations, and during the lunch hour, I would do a slide presentation on, on you know, breast cancer and, you know, and for the state of Maryland. 
And it's amazing how many men came into the mm. uh, my husband. Yes. Mm. And, uh, yeah, men, because everybody, Lana, has somebody that they know, wives, mothers, sisters, aunts, that have been affected. Mm-hmm. You know? And so they want to know. And, and when I would go and volunteer at the health, at health fairs, I had this one gentleman um, came up to me, and he, he waited for everyone to leave the table, and he came up to me. He said, how do I get my wife to go for her mammogram? She won't go. And wow. Said, yeah. And he said, I, I, he said, I, I bought, I, he said, I've offered to take her. I said, you know, and um, I, so I gave him, you know, some more collateral. And he said, I'm going to share it, your story with her because my breast cancer was diagnosed in a mammogram. What if mm-hmm. I had never gone? Sure. You know, see? And so it would have been worse. So an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> and so, so he was, you know, and so I, would, I told him, I said, we even, you know, offered to make the appointment with her and go with her. And nobody wants to go. I mean, I just <laughs> a, you know, you take a deep breath, put your big girl pants on. There and, you go. You know, for that short instant, I, you know, I ra- I'd rather go ahead and get it done, you know? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um. And yeah, is, is it uncomfortable? Yes. Is, you know, is it intimidating to some degree? Yes. But it's so important because it saves lives. Sure. You know? so, mm-hmm. And you'd hate to you'd hate to be in a position where you could have you could have saved yourself or saved a loved one, but you let the matter drag on for too long, and all it took was a matter of just going to the doctor, and we could have caught this earlier. You know what I'm exactly. saying? You hate you hate to be in one of those situations where that is your personal story of you or a loved one. Right, and early detection right. is is so important because you know yeah it's it, it's so it's so important if they if they detect it early there's treatment and and it's not a death sentence anymore. People say, oh my god, I I got cancer. Yeah, it's it's intimidating and to know, um, but it's like but with the research and technologies and sciences and we you know and everyone trying to um, eradicate or, you know, or put an end to, to breast cancer, it, you know, it's, it's, it's confident to know that there's people out there that have such a keen interest in this subject and in, in, in yeah. this problem. You know? Yeah, there there is a lot a lot more awareness about breast cancer out there than um, there has been many many years ago, and sure. um, I think that's going to save a lot of a lot of ladies and men's life. Like I said, you know, there's a lot more men being diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, Michelle, I want you to hold on. We're going to take a quick sure. commercial break, and we'll be right back. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, welcome back. I am with Michelle Bland today, a breast cancer survivor, and uh, she volunteers for the Susan G. Komen uh, organization. Before the break, we were talking about some of her work with um, the Komen uh, Foundation and uh, how she assists in uh, ladies with breast cancer and also their family offering a support system, emotional support system, which anybody understandably needs when they're going through this time. Um, what I want to um, ask, and I forgot to get to this earlier, with your own personal story, you said you mentioned that um, you had six weeks, of, six weeks of radiation and then you had some um, medication to take after that. And I'm pretty sure um, different women go through different treatment processes, but what are the the impact on the body when a woman is going through her treatment afterwards? Yeah, it, um, after the treatment, well, it, it does definitely have different effects on on um, different women. Um, <clears throat> I was asked, you know, did the radiation make me tired and, and mm-hmm. what have you? And it didn't. I didn't notice that I was tired, but when I started to, to take the tamoxifen, it can cause, you know. Um, Effects in your uterus and and problems with you know with different women. Fortunately, I I didn't have those effects, but you know it's just more of the um, emotional. Um, um, I think the more the more of the emotions of everything that I went through 
had more of an effect or maybe I just didn't notice and I put it off, you know, mm-hmm. as far as the medicine and, and what have you. But, you know, again, I go for all my checkups and my treatments and, and what have you. So, you know, um, I go for my internal um, examinations and the doctors have not said, you know, that the medications I had taken had any adverse effects on me. Um, mm-hmm. But it can, it can um, have uh, um, adverse effects on other individuals. Um, because one of the ladies I stood on, um, because of my active involvement with Susan G. Coleman, and um, I was asked, um, and so my volunteer, you know, work with that and my commitment to uh, to the cause, um, I was asked by um, Coleman, Maryland, to sit on their board of directors. Good. And I thought that, that, yeah, so that was such a, um, uh, a privilege because I'm very passionate about this you know, this this um, this topic. Uh, I go to the races. I support the races. Like, I thank the volunteers for being out there, um, you know, and, um, you know, whenever I have an opportunity, you know, to talk to someone who has gone through the, the, um, the same things that I've gone through, you know, I could share the resources that Coleman um, supplies um, on, on the website for individuals because there's so much out there, so much information that people can now go to, which is right at the, the top, you know, a flick of a finger, and mm-hmm. that they can go to do, to do the research. Um, but, you know, again, and when I was taking the tamoxifen, I actually stayed on it a little bit longer than I was mm-hmm. supposed to. And then um, uh, when I moved here um, to Maryland, um, I'm sitting in the nail salon, Atlanta, and I'm reading um, a magazine about up-and-coming, you know, professionals um, here in, in Baltimore. And mm-hmm. I see I see Dr. Leonard, who was my doctor, who helped Dr. Borea do my surgery, and she's the up-and-coming doctor. She was um, um, she was awarded the, the job um, for the director of the breast clinic at Northwest Hospital. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is my <laughs> So now I'm Maryland, I reached out to her office, and they're like, yes, Ms. Lynn, she can be your doctor. And so and so now I'm, I'm under her care because I live here in Maryland. And so um, but so when I go um, to visit her, you know, I go for my exams. But when I was still taking the drugs, the tamoxifen, she said, you should be off of the drug now. And I was like, no, I'm still taking them. She said, no, as of today, you're off. Uh, so I was just trying, to, <laughs> so trying to preserve my life another six more months. But no, she said, don't come off of them today and, and what have you. But I, I, I do. I thought it's the most important thing is to know, you know, your your family history, know your body, you know, um, know what risk you're at, talk to your health care provider, and, you know, and be really attuned to what's going on within your body and just don't take it for granted. If you feel a pain and it consists and and it's not a normal, you know, pain. You need to check it out, you mm-hmm. know, and so and 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 do it early so that if there is something going on, it can be, you know, diagnosed and taken care of. Okay, okay. And you know, you just mentioned something. You know, um, after after a, a breast cancer uh, a survivor has finished her treatment and gone through everything, um, and you've kicked cancer's butt. Is there like constant? Checking and rechecking for the rest of this person's life, or is it just over and done with? No, uh, it, it. I check. I mean, it, it is. It's not. It doesn't go away. For me, it doesn't go away because mm-hmm. I think I'm thinking, what if it comes back? Um, mm-hmm. You know, there there have been cases where women have had, um, you know, breast cancer, and and it was it. They were. Um, they didn't have. It ended up coming back several years later, or coming mm-hmm. back in the other breast. So yeah, that's. To me, that's on my mind. But then, I, you know, I don't dwell on it. I try to, okay, if it happens, at least now I know what to, how to prepare myself mentally and physically for it. Um, but it could, you know, it, it could happen. But I try to think of more positive things and how I could help other people as opposed to focusing on what is going on inside of me, something I can't control. Mm-hmm. So um, so one of the things that, this, um, you know, um, one of the nurses had mentioned to me, she said, Michelle, it, it's never going to be, it's not going to be the cancer that, that would take your life. It could be the, it was going to be the stress in your life. So okay. I had to, yeah, I had to, 
um, now zero in on my personal life and see, okay, what stresses are in my life that I could alleviate and I don't, I don't have to deal with it. And so I, I try to really keep myself um, positive, around positive people, uh, mm-hmm. doing positive things. Um, and, you know, you're going to have, it's just life, you're going to have some elements of stress in your life. But, it, you know, but to have it on a day-to-day basis and everything, is, it, it's, not, it's not good and it's not healthy. So I try to, you know, and I try to stay around positive people. And then, you know, even in my work environment, we sit very close to each other. I just try to have a positive influence on people because, you you know, you never know what people are going through. Mm-hmm, and so, mm-hmm. you know, so I try to, and I'm very, you know, infectious. And so, you know, people kind of feed off of me with my personality mm-hmm. and I'm very vivacious. And, you know, and I've got a lot to be thankful for. And so, um, you know, um that's, you know, I try to share that with other people. And then I also, you know, want people to understand that, you know, for a minute, my life was put on hold, the rug was pulled from underneath my feet, and, and I had to fight this, um, when mm-hmm. I had to fight, I had to fight not to allow myself to go into a depression. And mm-hmm. so my, my mom said to me, and she, so, She's like, Michelle, you have to fight this. You have to fight this. I'm like, what do you mean I got to fight? How, how, how do I fight this? She said, you're going to have to be. Yeah, I was like, tell me. How, you know, mom should be like, okay, you do this. You know, spoon spoon. <laughs> so you got to fight this. And so my dad, you know, my father used to be a professional boxer many, many years ago in New York. And my, my dad taught her. And I'm very strong will and I'm very determined. And so I had to take those. Um, components and 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 work at being positive and knowing that you know I'm, I'm now moving forward. And one thing that my sister said to me, she works at the hospital. She's and she has to go into patients' rooms every day. And she said, Michelle, I go in patients' rooms every day, and there are patients that are worse off than you. She mm-hmm. said, so consider your, and so that so sometimes you need a reality check too. And, and and it's okay, you know, you could pity yourself for a while, but don't drown yourself in the pity, you know? That's true. And so, uh-huh, so I had to pick myself up and, you know, scrape off my, my little wounds and my scratches mm-hmm. and say, okay, how now can I move forward? And I did, and, and, and I just kept working on it, working on it, and then trying to be in an environment. If, if, I, if, if Initially, if, if I was in the house by myself and, you know, if music was playing and it was too depressing, it changed the, you know, where I could dance around the house and, you know, get into my Zumba and do whatever, you know, change the environment. And mm-hmm. so then I just kept working at it and working at it. And, and then, um, you know, and then every day, every day it got a little easier and easier because this July will be 10 years. So oh, it, gets, it gets easy. Mm-hmm. So it gets Go a little ahead, easier. girl. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> <you>. <laughs> So, Ten and, years. and you know that that's so important, you know, I mean, not only with breast cancer, but just with everybody to, you right. know, keep a positive outlook on life, surround yourself with positive energy, people thinking positive things. Right. I mean, and, you know, try to keep the stress off of your life. I mean, I just, right. you know, those are so those are valuable tools for everybody. And, um, you know, I just. And, and, you know, even you said, you know, with the breast cancer, you had to realize your friend was telling you, look, there's ladies here, you know, they have breast cancer, but their situation is is so much worse than mm-hmm. what you're going through, Michelle. And I think we as people, we get caught up in that when we're going right. through trials and tribulations like, whoa, is me. This is the worst right. thing in the world. Exactly. Why me? But there's somebody like right next to you whose situation is 10 times worse than what you're going through. And it takes a lot for us to kind of, you know, focus off of our own pain and say, look, let's look at the bigger picture here. It could be this, but I'm only right. going through this. You know what I'm saying? That's so, right. That's right. You know, and it, and it, yeah, no, you're go so ahead. right. I'm sorry. Go no, go ahead, dear. And, and so you're, you're so absolutely right. And I remember sitting in the hospital um, um, center waiting for the doctor to call me. And he walked out with this woman and her daughter. And I could see, because I'm, I'm, I think I had probably had maybe three or four years of having been a, a breast cancer survivor. So I saw her look, mm-hmm. you know, so you could see like the sun, like she was totally did not in disbelief of what he was saying and just she was just standing there and he was talking to her and her daughter and she was just shaking her head but I could see in her eyes 
and it was probably the same look I had when he told me, you know. <laughs> so, so you, you, you know, you do you. Um, but, but you, you know, I sat on panels, um, uh, discussions, and so you get to share your story, your stories with people. And but, but I've also listened to panels of doctors who have been breast cancer, who are breast cancer survivors for 20 years. So that's a glimmer mm. of hope. You're like, wow, 20, 25 mm-hmm. years. This is awesome to know that, you know, oh, oh, in five or 10 years, your life, you know, is going to be snuffed away from you. Well, here's people that are, are showing you, well, you, uh, you know, I went through the same thing, but, you know, it was 20, 25 years ago. So, mm-hmm. you know, that that gives you hope and, and what have you. And also knowing that, you know, uh, God is going to eradicate the problem, but um, but you know to to know that there 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 are doctors and scientists and individuals who are so driven and focused in trying to bring a cure, you know, for this disease. Yeah, trying to trying to trying to fix this. You know, we're we're trying to make some scientific steps towards towards curing the breast cancer issue. I mean, and and that gives you a sense of hope as well. Um, Michelle, we're going to take our last break of the day. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. (laughs) Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. Welcome back. I am with Michelle Bland today and she volunteers for the Susan G. Komen Foundation and she's also a breast cancer survivor who was diagnosed in July of 2004. Um, quick question, Michelle. Did you, were you able to work the whole time you were going through this or did you have to take some time off work? Um, just for the surgeries, I, I had to take some time off. And then um, for the treatments, no, I was able to um, go to work um, right after my radiation treatments. And the, the tamoxifen I just took every morning. Okay, okay. Now I want to ask you um, a question. Um, sure. You can think about it for a second. If you had to give one small token or gem of uh, advice to a loved one of somebody going through breast cancer, um to assist them in supporting their spouse, their mother, their sister, their friend, to help them cope with. What would you say to somebody who's living with somebody going through this? I would say just be open and let the person express themselves to you. You you can't say, I understand, because you don't. Um, Mm -hmm. Just, you know, be there for them, give them the, the love and the support and just the reassurance to know that whatever it is that they have to go through, you're going to be right there by their side. And, and you know, and just constantly keep them, um, you know, in your prayers and, and you know, and, and just be that real strong support and anchor for that person mm-hmm. because you could be the strongest person, but when this situation happens, it will deflate you and deflate you. So just give them mm-hmm. and let them know that right now this support, I'm your, I'm, you know, I'm your other arm, I'm your other leg, I'm, I'm standing behind you, I'm standing in front of you, and just, you know, let them know where, whatever it is, I'm, I'm there for you. And that to me helped a lot because my, my, my family, my friends were like, I'm here, whatever you need, you know, do you want me to cook for you? Do you mm-hmm. want me to do those type of things? Do you want me to? I mean, my friends were there. They took me to the doctors. Just so they're not, because I could drive, but they were like, I want to go with you. Okay. You know, and that, they, and so they adjusted their schedules to just be with me. And that, to me, means a lot. And I, Lana, I can't never understand if somebody didn't have that kind of, you know, resource of friends and family to be there with you, to have to go through this alone, mm. it, would be, it would be devastating. Or any kind of treatment alone. Mm-hmm. So. I would say just always be there for that person, and and I wouldn't say I oh I understand I know because you don't, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm here. Tell me what you want me to. And sometimes people just want you to. They just want to vent and they just want mm-hmm. to talk. Just be that support, you know, and, and and that anchor for them. All right, all right. So it's not always where you have to sit there and say, oh, I understand, I understand. Right. Just say I have no clue what you're going to, but you know I'm gonna sit here and hold your hand while you're going That's through right. it. That's okay. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, um, my next question I want to ask is, um, there's a, a breast cancer affects, um, 
men and women, like I've said, and women of all different ages, you know, young women to, to older women. Um, right. and, but there are women walking around, you know, oh, it'll never happen to me. Oh, I don't have to worry about that. Uh, what kind of, uh, what would you say to those types of women thinking that? Uh, yeah, definitely. Please don't take things for granted. Like my friend that worked with me, she hadn't had a mammogram or did self-breast exams in over 10 years. Mm. And the minute she found out that I, she said, oh, my God, Michelle, I haven't had a mammogram in over 10 years. So she's like, I made my appointment. So, <laughs> it, yeah, and so so many people were calling me, and, and they were like, I, I'm going to go, Michelle, I'm going to go, because that's how mine was detected. You don't want that to happen to you. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, people just think that it's not going to affect Life is so uncertain. Anything sure. can happen. And so our, our lives are not guaranteed. So we got to live our day each day as though it's, it's mm-hmm. our last. So, so what you, you know, if they feel, you know, they're, you know, it, it's not going to happen, it could happen. It happened to me. And, um, and so no matter what we're going through and how busy we are or how distracted we, we, we can be, Take that time to do self-based exams, know your doctor, talk to your doctor, get your mammograms. And then, you know what? If you're fine and you get that clear margin and you get that clear reading from your doctor, you don't have to worry about it for another year unless you have mm-hmm. problems. But mm-hmm. to not do anything about it, it's, you know, and people are like, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go. But you know what? In the, for- in the back of your mind, you'd be thinking like, maybe I should have went, you know? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the worst thing to think about is if you're sitting on that examining table and you're like, you know what, did you did you feel a difference? Did you see a difference in your breath? And, well, yeah, I saw it like six more wins. Six months ago, like, wow. Then they got a backpack <laughs> six months, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. So just get it, you know, get it done. It's not a fun thing, but it, it's a life-saving, you know, um, uh, process. So, it, it, so that would be my encouragement. So, Whenever, like, uh, uh, my mom's good friend, she was like, Michelle, I hate to go. It hurts so bad. And I look at her, she's like, I know, but I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and you, have to, you have to think about the bigger picture. A few minutes of discomfort because, you know, as ladies, right. it is the most uncomfortable experience in the world to have a mammogram. But, you know, a, a moment of discomfort for, you know, a, a year-long sense of security like okay yes. i know i'm fine you know what i'm saying yes. or you know to be able to catch it and put yourself you know in I, okay i've saved my life so you know exactly. you know bite the bullet take you know go have your mammogram for those few minutes of discomfort and you know you, you're possibly saving your life so um Absolutely. now we've mentioned um all throughout the um uh, interview here that you've you do work heavily with the Susan uh, G. Komen uh, Foundation, and you've mentioned a couple of things. But for those out there um, wanting to get involved or doing anything, what types of things uh, or resources or tools does the uh, Susan G. Komen uh, Foundation provide? What what do they have out there that they're doing? Absolutely, um, they're always looking for volunteers. Always looking for volunteers. And they will train um, each volunteer. And so whatever your strengths are, they'll, they'll capitalize on those strengths. And so they're always looking for because they do the, um, the Race for the Cure every year. So here in the state of Maryland, it's October. So they do the, um, and that's the largest foot race. And that race is where they get the most money, um, you know, from donations and contributions and, and what have you. And so, and 75% of the proceeds stay in the state of Maryland, and the other 25 goes to the national. So Coleman is always looking for volunteers. They can go to the website, and, uh, and um, Coleman um, website, and, and pull it up. And then wherever, whatever state that they're in, just, you know, reach out to Susan G. Coleman and say, you know, I want to, I want to, uh, be a volunteer, how can I help? And they'll bring you in. And then mm-hmm. they'll, they'll talk to you, and they're like, okay, what, what would you like to do? And if you're a speaker, or you're, and they're always looking for survivors, because, mm-hmm. you know, you could, you could reach other, you know, survivors. So you're always looking for volunteers. And, um, and so if you're like, well, I don't want to be a speaker, but I help out the health fairs, then, and then that, that's great and wonderful, too. And they, keep, they always provide you with all of the collateral, so, you know, you have the information, and um, and then you just speak to people, and you share the information, and you, you know, and then they'll, you know, like I said, they will train you on how, you know, how much involvement you want to be. And, um, you know, when I first moved here, I, I just, you know, jumped in, and I 
volunteered all the time, and I got one year they gave me the Survivor's Award at one of their their dinners, and I had mm-hmm. no idea. And they, <laughs> no, and they they I'm sitting at the table, and and, and they the um the presenter is a doctor who is an oncology um, doctor, and she's a breast cancer survivor too. Dr. Stacey King, and so she was like, she said, this award goes to a person who exhibited, you know, um, um, excellent community service and just gave of themselves and it's a survivor's award, and, and then she said, this award goes to Michelle Bland, and there's a full room of people and my friend sitting next to me, she's a volunteer, she said, Michelle, that's you, that's you, yeah. and I'm like, I'm like, oh. <laughs> and so then when I went up to the stage, then, then they went through my bio of, of you know, of, of all the things that I have done. Um, so people, they, they are, um, all, um, nonprofit organizations are always looking for volunteers. And if this, if this is one that's near and dear to your heart and you feel that you can contribute, a, you know, a little bit of time, definitely reach out to them and they will definitely be welcome and will welcome you with open arms. Oh, and, and congratulations to you on the Survivor Award. Uh, from my conversation with you today, it uh, seems like it is truly justified. Uh, uh, you have a beautiful personality and just a strong spirit. So I think they gave it to the right person. Uh, <laughs> no problem. My pleasure. I, I'm just delighted to have this time with you. Uh, Michelle, we are at the end of the show. Um, I always tell everybody that it just goes way too fast for me. My guest today has been uh, Michelle Bland, and she is a breast cancer survivor. For more information on breast cancer, there are numerous websites out there on um, out there in the www world. You've got Komen.org, BreastCancer.org, and NationalBreastCancer.org are just a few of them. Uh, please check them out. Um, I cannot stress enough that nothing, nothing, nothing takes the place of uh, some tests from your medical uh, professional. Please go out there and get your mammograms. Michelle, uh, it has been such a pleasure having you on my show today. I wish, wish you so many blessings. I mean, and I wish you continued success with blessing other people's lives. Thank you so much, Lana. It's, it's been a pleasure being here. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember, when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed. See you next week. <laughs>